Welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is Glenn Schreiber. I'm with uh, my two co-hosts, Ryan and Andy, three ordinary pastors from three generations comparing notes about life and ministry. Thanks for listening in. Before we get started, guys, we always like to play this generational thing. So let's go back. What's the first uh, political election U.S. cycle that you remember? Mine. Well, yeah, you go ahead, Ryan. We'll I was going to say, because I'm going to be underwhelming and you guys are going to laugh at me and that's okay. I think I remember a little bit of Clinton's presidency. I, I think that's when I became aware of politics, but I would have to say that uh, the first term of George W. was the first time that I can like remember watching a debate. Before then, politics didn't matter. Andy, well, for me, it's actually a, a memory that's burned pretty, uh, pretty well into my mind. Uh, I remember sitting at the TV and watching the results as Reagan won in a landslide over Carter. Um, and part of the reason that I remember that is um, then, within a few weeks, when he was inaugurated in January, my sister um, was born. And uh, up until that point, I had for nine years been an only child. And so having a sister was a was a very big deal. Um, and the fact that when he was inaugurated and the hostages were released, um, that that all that sequence of events is is pretty clear in my mind. Yeah, well, here it's going to show up. I go back, obviously, JFK, uh, John F. Kennedy. That was such a incredible time period uh, to be around. I was, what, elementary school still, but you couldn't escape uh, the fact that something big was happening. There was this magnetic personality at play. Put that alongside the Beatles, and uh, you really did have some rocking and rolling going on there in the, in the 60s. And so uh, that that's my first memory of politics. And then, of course, that that whole 60s environment uh, going into the early 70s. Yeah, good story story. I could take you through all the cycles and and uh, uh, the various challenges uh, of each one. But, uh, yeah, that that kind of showed right there the generations that are at play here. Uh, did the political lead in? Because uh, we have seen just so much change in our in our nation throughout the years that I've lived, and and it just seems to be coming quicker, uh, and and more uh, more profound uh, with each uh, with each cycle. And so, uh, Andy, uh, you're the next one up as far as age, and then and then Ryan, uh, I'd say you you probably lived uh, just in in your years. Uh, uh, of all kinds of change that that. Uh, at, a, at a level that's uh, unprecedented, just the way things are going. So how do we do that in the church? How do we, how do we, how do we uh, address change in our own individual lives, but then how do we lead our organizations and our churches through this change? You know, when's it time to, to, to put on the brakes and, and to consider something new? Or, 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 or how do we discern when to just let things continue to roll? Um, there's a lot of ways that we can go with this conversation. Um, as I'm talking for the listener and then also for you, uh, uh, Ryan and Andy, um, can you think of changes that were, wow, I'm so thankful we made this change. Uh, and, and just, uh, you know, it, it wasn't as difficult as I thought. And wow, great fruit from it. In contrast to here, this is a change that we that we pushed through and I wasn't sure. And boy, I wish we hadn't done this. 
Hmm. Does any memories like that come to either of your minds before we get into some of the principles that we've learned along along the way? Well, I think the the most predominant thing for me, uh, basically because we've all been forced into living in the change, has been the the last you know eighteen months to two years with COVID. That uh, it's it's not a hey we're going to do this to be more effective, but this is this change has been put on you, and ministry is going to change. Um, you know, whether it was, we were already live streaming, but now we got to think about how did, what does that look like? And, and then how do we connect with people and how do we continue to do ministry? And then how do we need to change the way that we're doing ministry or the way that people are interacting? Um, to me, that's, that's been probably one of the biggest, and we've had, I think some successes in doing that, uh, being small, I think makes it easier to pivot in some of those things. And, uh, but some, I think failures as well of just like, man, we didn't, we didn't handle this well or the conversations, um, because people weren't in person, got out of line or, um, things were not resolved at the way that they could have or should have been. Um, and so, yeah, I think to me, that's the most, I guess, because we're still kind of in the, in the, uh, cycle of change, um, to that has been most recent. Yeah, yeah, Brian. So for me, because I um, just became the senior pastor of Community three years ago, I- any transition of senior pastor, you're going to expect change. Just change of voice from the pulpit, ministry focus, ministry, um, uh, just various ministries of the church, and that could that as I was heading into it the first year could be a difficult thing. I took over in nineteen, and then when COVID hit, what I appreciated as a young pastor was that everyone went through the same thing and everyone was forced to change to a just about the same type of ministry everyone is forced to not meet in person go virtual obviously video quality and and service qualities differed and and and, and the number of people working on services were there but kind of everything went to about a baseline as you could possibly go and then what I've observed is as churches were able to then come back and pastors were given in some sense a gift. And I know it's difficult to say that because it's been a very difficult and trying season. So I don't want to take away from any of the, the, the pain and the pressure points that COVID had. But the gift was let's rebuild not for what we once were, but what we're going to be. And I, I agree with you, Glenn, that this it's interesting to hear the type of conversations that are going on now in the church uh, circles of just w- where where are we going to be coming out of COVID? Because what we have realized was the church did not go back to the way it once was. Our, I, I don't think any church was is operating and has the attendance and the ministries that it had in 2019. Or if it is, they are definitely the outliers. But it kind of all of the pastors, all of the ministry leaders are forced to go. What does this ministry, this organization look like? in 2022 and beyond and not knowing. Um, so definitely understand that change. But for me, when it comes to this conversation of change, I go, I actually think the change was a blessing because it forced people to change. Yeah. I see it breaking up the ground COVID has, or the pandemic and having to respond to that where, uh, where our ways, the way we've been doing things were set hardened. Uh, and now just by the nature of what we've had, to uh, deal with these last uh, these last couple of years, uh, that that ground has been broken. Things have been disrupted to where now we we've got to do something. Uh, 
So now's the time to uh, to invest in some change. So then what do we do with it there? Which way do we go? And how do we go about it? Um, then that takes us into conversations that if navigated poorly, uh, can uh, disrupt us even more. But if navigated appropriately, uh, it can lead us all, give us all some hope and, and some good sense of direction and on we go. Uh, Andy, through this time, what, what have you learned? What, what's, what's one principle uh, that you've learned from the past, or you've learned in this last couple of years that, that's, a, that's a go-to whenever you think about making some sort of a change? Yeah, I mean, I actually think of two, two major things. Um, one would be, uh, for a long time, I, had to, I thought that faithfulness meant maintaining the status quo. And so I, I highly value faithfulness, you know, faithfulness to God's word, faithfulness to the gospel. Um, and, and that is a good thing to value. But that, at least for me, got translated into that means we continue the status quo. We don't have things change. Um, and what I kind of came to realize through some pretty painful circumstances was actually the, the need to remain faithful actually requires us to change at certain times because there's certain things where we're not as faithful to God's word or to the gospel as we should be, um, or we've solidified certain things in our life or in our thinking that, that need to change um, to maintain that, that faithfulness. And so not equating or not, not hitching up faithfulness um, to status quo, I think, was the first one. And then the second one that I think happens and is, you know, we almost make a joke out of it um, at the church sometimes is once we make a change, how, how quickly it becomes solidified and becomes the status quo. Um, I, I remember us making a, a change in program uh, of how we were going to do some w- one thing here at the church. And, um, you know, it was a pretty big deal to kind of go through the process, get people to buy in, help them to understand why we were making this change, what we were doing, you know, w- what the factors were going to be, what the resources were going to be needed. And, you know, we we built that, took the time, built the consensus, got people on board. And everybody, you know, appreciated the change and loved it. And then about in six months, we looked at it and like, hey, there's some other things that we might need to tweak in the same area and some things that we need to do better. And, you know, as soon as we start having that conversation again, it's like, oh, well, but this is how we do it. Like all of a sudden, you know, it, it's like it got put into concrete again that whatever it is that even though we just changed it six months ago, that's... Um, that, that is just what it is. And so there's this almost resistance, I think, for most people um, that to, to just change in general. I often wonder if, uh, if we were to write a theology of change, um, how, how could we help people? You know, could we take people through what that means? Um, I'm not sure I'm the person to write it, but I'd love to see somebody write that. <laughs> yeah, how to how to how to create an environment of effective change or productive change, to where you built into your change the fact that we are going to reevaluate after such and such a time and keep that going and and purposely make a change uh, in that we're going to change at least one thing uh, when we come back just to to get them used to that and not getting it hardened. Uh, Ryan, how about yourself? Any principles that 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 are go tos? now that you've learned when it comes to change? I, I've learned that there are those who can handle a lot of change very quickly 
and those who cannot. I personally uh, love change. I um, I find that if it that not changing becomes monotonous, boring. I I'm, I want to always want to tweak things, but I've come to understand that not everyone is that way, and so. As a pastor, I have to think not for myself necessarily, but for m- maybe the individual that is the, uh, I, I don't want to say the weakest, but is the most different than me in those areas. So I have to uh, lead and live in light of those who I serve as a pastor. With that being said, I've, I've also come to realize that uh, sometimes change is necessary and there is no um, good way to share unwanted news so that you're going to have to disappoint. I know, especially with COVID, just going back there, there were so many options thrown at people and it was very much like somebody handed us a knife in one hand and a gun in the other and said, make a decision. And there was no good decision to be made. There was no perfect decision because we didn't know we just had to make a decision. So at times with change, you, it, we, you come to realize something has to give and let's go try to figure it out. Um, but definitely for me and change, I more often than not tell myself to slow down, look to those around me that I trust that might have a different, um, uh, view of change than I do and, and, and might feel out some things differently to try to figure out, okay, am I going too fast? Am I changing too much? Is this change just because I'm bored and want it to be different? Or is this change because the church needs a shakeup to revitalize its focus and vision? Yeah, those are all really good. I, I just hearing you talk reminded me. It it, it seems uh, uh, it seems like we're playing opposites day, but talk less, listen more. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the idea that 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 we're changing here not because I'm not changing because I'm bored and I need a change, and so you all come help me to do that. But but this is for us. And mm-hmm. that my, my caring for people needs to be at the highest level possible. They, they need to know that that we're doing this change for us, not for me, and it's for our better. And for me to know that that's really working is I need to be a good listener and hearing what's going on. Um, I've also learned just to seed, to seed ideas, you know, just to throw them out there. And like you said, slow down, let those seeds uh, marinate and see what comes from it. Uh, Andy, you had a comment there on that? Well, I, I think, you know, even in that communication, it's sometimes articulating not only what's changing, but what's not changing. Very good. Um, and and I think for people, you know, especially when we're talking about church and we're talking about the gospel, you know, we don't ever want, there's certain things we never want to change. Um, we, we're not going to change the message of uh, the reality of what Christ has come in his his life, death, and resurrection. You know, that that is not up for debate. Um, but how we do a ministry or what time our services meet or, you know, ha- when what curriculum we're going to use or, um, you know, what program we're going to pull off or what kind of outreach we're going to do, all of those are open for discussion. And I think sometimes for those people, it's it's important to articulate, hey, listen, we're making this change but this is what we're not changing. And so it, it provides them a, a safe harbor as it, as it were, um, to, to kind of understand that. Now they may take it, they may not, but I think articulating that well is, is important. How much, if I could ask, I'm, as I'm thinking about this element of change, I'm, 
I'm also considering the fact that there are church traditions that are built around the fact that they they their services the um, the words that they use, the creeds that they use, the songs that they use have not changed for um, a long time, and so there's that there's that history there, and people are drawn towards it. And one of the things that we can that has even been pointed out is people are leaving more general evangelical churches and going to more of those traditional liturgical um, style of churches. How much with change? How much as you guys are changing churches, do you change? the 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 structure style of services and so when we're talking about change are there areas in the church and in your leadership where it's like okay uh, this is very structured we do not mess with us andy obviously mentioned the gospel i think we can all agree upon that we're not changing that that struck that's set in stone uh based upon the word of god we don't change the fact that that we we preach the word of god that's it um but are there areas in the church where you are more apt to change faster? And are there areas where you you safeguard more because it, it, it needs that safeguard? Well, I think, again, talk less, listen more, find out what where the third rail is uh, in the congregation. Some things you just don't touch. But as you're throwing out ideas and, and, and throwing out ideas to, uh, to influencers or to people that really represent uh, where the congregation is at, uh, see how they respond and uh, interact with them on that. Make that a discussion point, I think, would be, uh, would be one way to find out where you can make the change and then find some allies along the way that can help you to do that. But again, uh, for me, it's always having that, let's try this for a time. Let's do this once. Let's do this for a month or through the summer, uh, and then we'll reevaluate and come back. So uh, uh, I've always found that to uh, to be a bit more palatable to folks to, to at least have that in mind. Andy, so every so everything's on the table. In in any situation, everything's on the table if you have the appropriate conversations and set the guardrails. Is that kind of is that what I hear you saying? That's what you largely hear me saying. Yep. Well, I think the other thing that that plays into that, though, it, is your relational capital and your time at the church. So, uh, I'll give you I'll give you two real life examples from here. Um, two two things that were here when I got here. Um, one is our church has never passed the plate. We've always been the we're going to have the offering box in the back. Not my preference. Obviously not a gospel issue, but that's the way that we've done it. The other other thing that's been here is that um, the the structure uh, was elders, deacons, which I, I believe is a, is a good structure. But on the deacon board, um, they only had men. And uh, as I've come to understand it and study it, I think one of the best ways to understand deacons is servants, which includes both men and women. There's a whole bunch of theological things that we could talk about, but just in terms of change. So for instance, with the, with the passing of the plate, um, we have not changed that. Um, that has remained, even though a lot of the people that uh, started that are no longer here. One thing we did institute a few years ago that we actually need to get back to a little bit is I initiated every fifth Sunday for um, specifically given to benevolence or our deacons fund. Hey, we're going to pass the plate which exercised those muscles a little bit, introduced it as an idea, introduced it as a positive way. Will we ever pass a plate? I don't know. We may or we may not. 
Um, you know, we, we brought in some language in our announcements to help people understand the purpose and place of both the passing of the plate and giving in general. Um, but that was a change. The, the change with the, the deacons is a much deeper and a much more institutional change, which I think is also something to talk about. Um, and that required even us changing our constitution. And so we didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't even enter into that conversation really for the first decade that I was here. Um, and then begin to seed that. And then even within the last two years, we, we finally went through a, a pretty long process of ending up changing our constitution and then voting um, to, to do that. And again, I think a lot of it depends on your time there and the level at which that change is going to need to happen. Um, some, some things you can rush in and you can do quickly. You know, if you're going to change a service time from 10 to 1030, it may not be that big of a deal. Um, but if you're going to make a institutional change, that may be a very long process. Ryan, um, you mentioned earlier about your church that, uh, that you grew up in. Now you're back at it's changed over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. As you recall, some of the changes that have taken place, is there one particular memory that comes or one lesson learned just from that specific experience? <laughs> well, that I would say yeah, that, that's a good caveat because, you know, as pastors, there's certain things it's not worth sharing. Um, there are, I would say there's two that I, I take away from. So I mentioned that our church was one way theologically and culturally, and it is now another. And I think there is a time and place to change a church's theology um, when a pastor and even a pastoral team or an elder team or however polity-wise the church is led feels one way and then does the due diligence and the faithful work of adjusting theology and focus. I think that that um, that there's a time and a place for that and uh, where a pastor stays. And I also think there's a time and a place when change to realize it's the change is so big that it's not able to be had at this place. Um, and so in our uh, I, I won't go into the details, but I but the, the, the two takeaways for me are um, there's certain things if a pastor has to realize this too, this is too big of a change. It's not going to happen here. I'll wait for my next ministry and I'll make that change or I'll go to the place where that will be okay. Let's say, this is totally hypothetical. This is not a, a thing that's mm-hmm. going on. See, no, let's sure. say you are gum, coming from complementarian to egalitarian. You might not want to try to make that change in the same church because if, if somebody went to a solidly complementarian church or egalitarian, it could go either way. And then you adjust that, that could be a very jar, that could be very jarring for people. Um, and so for me, I've, I've um, seen, hey, it's times to just, consider is this worth changing the second thing if you do decide to change is don't be a jerk about it (laughs) and so often and i fall i'm gonna i will indict myself first and foremost but so often when i approach change and somebody says why should we do that it's very easy to lead with the well, because you're dumb and you should know this way or because I'm smarter than you or because if you know what I know, it knew, you would do it this way. And it's so easy to be condescending in those moments of trying to have change um, or, you know, we, we will be better and a better person and better than if we make this change. And 
and that's very that's a that's a turnoff, and so it's part of our change that that happened, and and for a variety of reasons, it ended poorly. Um, so those are the two takeaways of you don't have to be yeah. a jerk and change, and maybe sometimes you hold your nose and understand is it worth it for yeah. the greater for the greater body? Because if we're here to serve serve people and love Christ and serve Christ, some 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 of those things don't matter to change. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, do you have any comments further? Well, I have a question for you. I oh, mean, great. you, you've been, um, I mean, you, you work with many churches. I mean, you work with many leaders, um, and I'm sure change is a, is a pretty significant conversation. Um, so I guess my question to you would be was what are some of the uh, maybe top one or two biggest mistakes that you've seen, um, when it comes to, to people making changes or leaders making changes in churches? Yeah, I've seen a lot of them, done a lot of them. And uh, a couple come to mind. Just because people say they want change doesn't mean they really want change. Uh, mm-hmm. I know uh, one congregation was very specific with the pastor that they brought in, that they hired to come in, that they wanted change, only to find out he came in, he started changing things, and they didn't <laughs> like it. And uh, so, uh, you know, he could have, uh, but he, he took it as a, uh, he took it as a mandate to come in and change, and he was changing things the way that he saw it, but didn't necessarily lead the congregation in change. He just did change. And, that probably uh, went well. Yeah, yeah, for a <laughs> short amount of time, and then I helped him with the next pastor. But that, <laughs> but, but that leads me to the next the, the uh, another example uh, of, uh, of a congregation that needed a pastor. They needed change. They knew it. Uh, the candidate that came in was very specific about what he said. He says, if I come in, here's, here's where I see changes need to be made. If you're ready for that to be done, I'm more than happy to come in and to, and to lead you through it. Um, they, uh, they voted on him, and, and he determined to himself that if it wasn't like a 95% plus vote for him to come in, he wasn't going to take it. Well, the vote came in just under that. Mm. He didn't. He didn't take it. He turned him down. He says. He says no. He says uh, um, normally, you know, uh, I I would maybe take a position, but there's going to be there's so much change that needs to be done that we've talked about uh, that I'd like to lead in that that I feel I need I need more more of the congregation behind me than than not to do that. And so uh, th- that was the word to the congregation, the search team, the elders. Uh, Thought about it. They they worked that through, and uh, and came back to him a month later and said, uh, you know, we 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 talked as a congregation to those in particular that that voted not to have you come in, and uh, and I think that uh, uh, that we're of of one mind now. Would you consider uh, would you consider allowing us to take another vote? And I won't get into all details, but they voted, and uh, I think it was like. 99%. I think maybe there was one person that still had that. Well, then he took that as an affirmative to what he had kind of laid out there before the Lord. And so they took it, came in, uh, they made those changes, and uh, and he had a long, fruitful ministry there and led them through several changes from being just a, a smaller congregation to one of our larger congregations. So that was a, that was a, an individual, though, that knew knew what needed to be done. He didn't hide it. He knew that he had the capacity to do that, was wanted to wait and see if the church had the willingness to do that. Uh, once, it, once it was all identified together that they were ready to do that, he stepped in. And, uh, and then uh, 
through just his own wisdom, was able to lead them step by step through that. So I love that story, both for the front end and how it was played out and determined and, uh, and what could take place if you, if you led together. But it's hard to know those major deep changes, uh, when, to, when to make those plays and when to do it incrementally. Um, I think one, one other lesson that I've learned that to employ when I think of incrementally is as much as possible, rather than prescribe change, I like to describe change. In other words, start working behind the scenes and start making those changes uh, kind of behind the scenes so that when you bring the air, the, the, uh, you bring it to light, say, well, pretty much we've been doing all of this along the way. So not at this point, not much has changed. And so I'm just describing and we're formalizing what's been taking place rather than just kind of dictating it, prescribing what we're going to do without really knowing if it can work or if you'd have anybody behind you. So those are a couple of thoughts um, just in, in going back. There's story upon story. Uh, uh, man, I'm sure uh, that this won't be the last time we touch on this topic as we deal with different issues along the way, podcast after podcast. Uh, we'll be bringing in these principles and, and even more in, uh, in, in how we've addressed it or how we could have better address things um, as the time goes forward. Any last comments before we sign off for today, Andy or Ryan? Well, I was just thinking that, that story of that pastor, that takes a lot of courage um, to be willing to, to lead in that. Um, and, you know, even we'll, we'll talk about at some point, some self-awareness of him having to say, okay, I know who I am and I know what I need to be able to, to accomplish this change. Um, because I think for most of us and probably me included, if I got a, a vote of over 90%, I would say, Hey, we got, we got, a, you know, the majority, the super majority's on our side. Let's go. What are we waiting for? And, uh, you know, probably could, could end up in disaster. Yeah. It's yeah. again, it's, it's each situation is different. And, uh, and that's another thing that we have to note is just, uh, uh realizing there's no cookie cutter here. But uh, but there are some principles uh, tied with the spirit that uh, and with uh, making sure your leadership is aligned. I mean, you can't go anywhere without having that that leadership aligned. So as a pastor, that's the first order of business is just uh, uh, making sure that, that you as a leadership team are together and conversing and and have as much one mind as possible before you start introducing things to the larger congregation. Ryan, any final comments before I close this out here for this podcast? Kind of an Andy, same line when I was hearing that story. Um, the word integrity came to mind. And just thinking about when you're entering those moments of change, I think individuals, uh, especially in the congregation, can sniff out if those changes are being made for the wrong reasons um, or whether somebody is is doing it for for a, a sincere a sincere view of something it really needs to change or whether it's just color the carpet or or inappropriately trying to um mess with things in the church so i i i honor that guy highly for having the integrity of going nope that's not the number i wrote down on the piece of paper so <laughs> i'm not gonna take it yeah yeah absolutely you know it's it, it change courage that's those are the perfect words for that uh, both for the mm -hmm. leader uh, uh, the pastor the pastoral team and the congregation uh, and just to be able to trust each other for uh, having each other's best interests in mind and uh, hopefully for having the Lord's interest in mind uh, topmost just wanting to do what's uh, most pleasing to him through who we are uh, gentlemen love uh, love the conversation that we have uh, for uh, all of you listening thanks for joining in 
as we compare notes, uh, just three ordinary pastors uh, just trying to do life and ministry together, knowing that we're better together. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by email at comparingnotes at gmail.com.